What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. We're going streaking. Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very, very well. I'm glad we're doing this podcast today as opposed to, like, last Wednesday or something. Uh, The state of the Braves is a lot grander than it would have been back then. Yes, there's actually exciting things happening. The organization is listening to this podcast, Adam. That, what did we say? I don't, I don't even remember. Oh, yeah, we've talked about, well, is Michael Harris going to get a shot? Why not put Spencer Strider in the rotation? Both these things have happened. That's a good point, Graham. Yeah, I guess it has been a couple weeks since uh, we've talked here. Yeah, that, that, the, I mean, the Michael Harris thing, if we just want to dive straight into it. Sure. It's just made such a big difference. Just like, oh yeah. Even if he doesn't hit at all, it's just the defense alone. You know. Yeah, he looks. He reminds me of a young Marquise Grissom. The way he glides around out there, um, he's already had a number of good diving catches. He makes the routine plays look even more routine than they actually are. Um, definitely above average defense out there. I mean, yeah, it seems like every every single night he's he's just got like kind of the Andrew Jones type of. Uh, he gets the good jumps on the balls, but at the same time, he has speed. So it's like those diving plays that you'll see, especially earlier this year when Duvall was out there, just a lot of them fall short. He's he's making them look pretty routine. And all, all reports are that he's been a great guy to have in the clubhouse. And, you know, his bat has been coming along fine, I think. I think he put some pretty good at-bats together. Yeah, it's been solid. I mean, he's only hitting 265 right now and a sub-300 on base percentage, but... He hasn't flashed the power that he was having in, in, in the minors yet, but um, he's putting together like good at bats. Like you can tell, like he hasn't had a lot of like, oh my God, he's just overwhelmed by major league pitching at bats or anything like that. He's not swinging at a bunch of shit out, um, you know, in the dirt or outside um, or anything like that. It's just more like, I think it just is, he's just adjusting to the major league, um, you know, way of pitching. I mean, we got to keep in mind too, he hasn't seen any action above double A before. So I think in terms of the offense, I think it's going to come at a rate, a better rate than what we're getting. I just think, you know, we got to be patient there. He's still been solid offensively, certainly. He's had a couple of big games, but um, he's just been so needed, particularly on defense with how porous and horrible our, our defensive outfield has been. He's added some much needed stability there. Yeah, and they, they played it pretty nicely with getting him a couple games at home before going out to uh, Arizona and Colorado. Because, you know, those are just huge outfields. So, like, I can't imagine what it yeah. looked like with, you know, at least Ronnie's played pretty much every day the last week in the outfield. But, like, you run out Duvall and Ozuna and I don't even know who the hell's playing right for you at that point. It's just without Ronald. It's uh, it's ugly, man. Ozuna's just unplayable now. Yeah, it's sort of there's – a, there's a conundrum, I feel like, with who should get playing time and who shouldn't. Ozuna's bat is definitely better than Duvall's, although Duvall did have the last couple games in Colorado. He did well, um, but he, you know he's been horrible all season. I'm not willing to just give him the benefit of the doubt at this point just because he had a couple of multi-hit games and finally hit a home run for the first time in like what seems like forever. Um, but, you know, you also got Contreras, who I, I wish would just DH more, but then it's like if you do that, then Ozuna's got to play left field. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a pickle. And I don't really want to see Contreras in the outfield, honestly. Um, a lot of people are saying, well, it could be worse than Marcelo Zuna. It's like, yeah, he could. 
at least Ozuna, despite how bad he is, does have experience in the outfield. Contreras doesn't really at the major league level. I could get worse with him playing uh, left field regularly. I mean, it is getting to the point where, you know, the, the question is, is Contreras a better hitter than Ozuna right now? You know, if, if Ozuna were hitting like he was in like 2020, it's a no-brainer. You either DH him or just you can kind of deal with what you lose defensively with him. But, um, you know, he's having his moments. He hasn't been like the worst player in the league. I mean, he's got 10 home runs, I believe. But, um, you know, every time Contreras is out there, he just looks hungry and he, he's just been a stud. I, I love getting him out there, but you can't take at bats away from Duvall either. So I'm fine with taking away at bats from Duvall. Um, oh, not Duvall. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean Duvall. I meant to say Darno. Oh, Darno. Yeah, it's you know, yeah, exactly. You don't want to take away at bats. We, from we were about to I'm fight. I was, like, I was about to say, what the hell yeah. is it? What's, what's your problem with Travis Darno, man? Oh, no, no, no. I was about to say, what the hell is, do you see that Adam Duvall is doing well <laughs> offensively other than the last 48 hours? Classic miscommunication almost took this pod in a completely different direction. Yeah, I was about to, we were about to get in a, a big old classic uh, circa 2018 fight. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Azuna's not doing terribly. I mean, he's still not doing that well either. He's still not walking. He's still getting fooled by off-speed pitches. The production has picked up, certainly. But, you know, it's like uh, you might have a point. You might have a point in the sense of do you play Contreras a little more at designated hitter? But at the same time, you know, I'm also thinking about no one's really made the adjustment to Contreras yet. I'm interested to see when people start throwing him more off-speed pitches and less fastballs how he will react to that Um, because that that was like the thing with him last year was once people started throwing more off-speed pitches, he, he, you know, really started to decline offensively. He's made massive strides with his catching ability. I, I don't doubt him anymore as a defensive catcher. But offensively, even though he's been outstanding, I mean, excuse me, offensively, even though he's been outstanding, can he adjust to the off-speed pitches in the long run? I don't think a 600, an over 600 slugging percentage is sustainable for Contreras. I think people are going to start scouting him a little more seriously now. But I would be willing to roll the dice if Ozuna's going to, you know, be inconsistent as he is at the plate um, to maybe get Contreras more shots at the designated hitter role than Ozuna for a little bit. Just see what happens. Just keep mixing up the lineups. I feel like Snit, recently anyways, Snit's done a pretty good job uh, mixing the lineup a little bit, getting, getting a little creative. I feel like once he moved your boy Dansby up to the number two hole, things really started clicking a, a lot more. Oh, my God. Dansby's been unreal. That's why you don't write people off. He, I mean, and, and now he's getting to the weird point where, because he's in his contract year, someone's going to pay Dansby, you know? Um, I think yeah. he, to some of us Braves fans, he might not, you know, striking good looks aside, like he might not be as sexy to us, you know, because we know how cold he can get and the streaks that he goes through. But to another team, I could certainly see someone paying him a lot more money than we'd be willing to at this point. Yeah, and another thing I'm noticing with Dansby, along with just, you know, being able to be a competent hitter again and not striking out as much, is the stolen bases. Already nine stolen bases this year. His career high is 10. So he, he's adding another dimension to his game with his speed uh, and being a more, advent, a more advantageous base runner. And I, I wonder how much of this is a contract year is playing into that. 
could have something to do with it, but you know, like Ronald's been running crazy too. And I'm wondering if it's just like the general team mindset a little more so this year than it has been. Yeah. You know, home runs aren't as crazy as they have been the past couple of years. So you kind of have to play a little bit of small ball there to make it work. I guess, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've just jumped straight into this shit, Graham, but I guess we should say what's happened recently. We had a great series two weekends ago taking, was it two out of three against Florida, I believe, or Miami? Yeah. And then um, two of the worst losses of the year in Arizona. Just Woof. both super winnable games, just like dumb base running, terrible defense left and right. That should have been a sweep. Should have been a sweep, 100%. Matt Olson dropped the easiest ball in American history on a double play. It just bounced off his glove. I've never seen a first baseman drop a throw like that. Yeah, no, it's it, it was looking... I mean, it was getting to the point where it was like, well, I guess this team just doesn't have it. And then I think Snit called them out a little bit in the media, but like not anyone specifically, just the team as a whole. Um, just saying it's just sloppy, ugly baseball. But we're going to go back and play a clean game tomorrow, and that's what they did. And they swept Colorado four games in Colorado for the first time like ever, I think, for the Braves. Something like, yeah, it's been, I think it is the first time ever. I think you're right. And there were just some spectacular games to watch uh, as a fan during that series. You know, that that game Saturday night, was that the one that – no, no, Friday night was the one uh, Freed goes eight shutout innings, the first – Yeah. The second game ever in the history of Coors Field to go to extra innings tied 0-0. And – Yeah, that was a great game. We, we watched that one um, – and the thing I was really impressed by from Freed during that start was his ability to run his pitches inside to batters, regardless of if it's a lefty or a righty, and jamming the shit out of guys. I mean, his efficiency was outstanding. You know, in the fifth inning, you know, he'd thrown like 50 pitches. He was like halfway through the fifth inning. I mean, he was averaging like 10, 12 pitches an inning. You know, he also battled through, you know, one inning in particular, gave up a leadoff double, I think, to McMahon. And then just got out of it, no problem. I mean, he was unreal. Uh, he he's he is still consistently proving to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. Very quietly, he only struck out four guys, but he pitched to contact so well. Um, it, it was just it, it was my favorite performance of the season from him. He's had a lot of great starts this year, but that was just a master class in shutting down a lineup. That kind of goes against like common reason for what you want to do at Coors Field in terms of pitching to contact but if you're keeping the ball on the ground it's a beautiful thing and you know save save the bullpen we're in the streak of like 17 straight games played um so somehow freed continues to get better from even where he was last year so that's that's been awesome to see and um in that same game your boy uh do we need to talk about kenley jansen yet graham or are you good we do need to talk about kenley jansen we need to talk about your boy Will Smith too, but let's talk first about your uh, our other boy Matty O. Yes, huge, huge uh, weekend in Coors. You also had a big game in Arizona, one of the horrible games we lost. But uh, you know the power's coming back. Had a huge bomb to center field in Coors. Had another home run in Arizona. Came up with a massive, massive uh, two-run single in the 10th inning to put us up. I think it was 3-1 to one at that point uh, on like an 0-2 count against a really – I can't remember who was pitching. It was a really tough left-hander for, for the Rockies. 
Um, and he just, you know, pulls the ball down the line beautifully. Um, his approach at the plate is is becoming, you know, it's it's getting back. It's not. I don't think we're ever going to see him do what he did in the first two weeks of the season, where he's hitting like four sixty five and has a one thousand OPS and anything like that. But he's proving to be, you know, a, a stalwart offensive contributor. And his on base percentage is still, I think, in the like the three seventies. So he's getting on base still with a lot of regularity. But it's great to see him have big hits and big moments to help the team win. And I mean, it is pretty. I think he's still leading the league in doubles. He's got twenty three doubles right now. Um, yeah. <clears throat> next closest for us is Ozzy with thirteen. So he's been getting the hits, but you're right; it hasn't been like the big three run bombs or uh, you know runners in scoring position, two outs, hits, and that's what we have seen uh, starting on the West Coast trip. So that that's been great to see. You know, there were certainly he was getting a lot of shit talk on Twitter. Um, so I think he safely kind of shut that down with that six RBI game he had last Tuesday. Uh, yeah, and I think, you know, it's like with guys like that who who have proven to be good players through their career, you just got to, you know, if they go through stretches like this, we got to be patient. I mean, people wanted to hang Freddie Freeman last year when he started out hitting like 230 through like the end of May. You know, he was horrible. And everybody was like, oh, Freddie Freeman sucks. And I was like, you guys got to be patient, man. This is a proven major league player. It's the same thing with Olsen. Olsen's, you know, not as good as Freddie overall, but he's done it long enough at a consistently high level that you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, because the whole season sucks ass, yeah, okay, we can start to get a little frustrated. But, you know, if he goes through a two-week stretch, three-week stretch where he doesn't do as well, I think that he's played long enough and been successful long enough that we give him the benefit of the doubt. That's, that's what people have to do with Matt Olson. Yeah, same. I mean, to a lesser degree, Adam Duvall. That's why I, I keep thinking this guy didn't just suddenly forget how to hit. Like, it's going to come back. And, you know, watching that game, Saturday night was the another extra innings game where Duvall had, I think, two hits in that game, including a two-run bomb in uh, the 11th, which just was sweet, just so good to see from him. And also just to make the uh, bottom of the 11th a little less painful. So um, good to see a lot of these bats coming around. Austin Riley has been on fire after being cold yeah. for a few weeks. He's been huge. So it, they're, they're starting to become fun again, Graham. Yeah, Ozzy has been good too, hitting close to 300 the last couple of weeks, um, getting on base a lot, scoring a lot of runs, doing Ozzy things. You know, um, it's been good to see. I'm still not – I'm getting a little – more worried about Duvall, I think, than you are. Um, just because the power hasn't been there. And his game is built on defense and being really good with runners and scoring position and power. And I haven't, you know, the defense has been good this year, minus, you know, that error in Colorado on Sunday. But runners and scoring position, power consistently hasn't been there. So it's like, I, you know, I hope you're right. And you probably will be. But I'm still not as like sold on him, sort of returning to what he was as much, because we haven't really seen it like a glimmer of it at all. Like at least with Olsen, he was getting on base. He had that hot two week stretch. You know, he still you know was leading the league in doubles. Like with Duvall, you haven't seen anything this year that's like remotely close to what he is. It's like a precipitous drop off. So it's like hopefully this is the beginning of his resurgence. I'm just I'm I'm just not sold on it yet. We got to got to see that a little more consistently. 
Well, you mentioned Ozzy there. What what do you think about his lack of power? He hasn't hit a homer since like I think April. April. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty it's wild. weird. Um, you know, Ozzy was like a 30 home run guy or something like that last year. Uh it's very odd. And what I've noticed, and I don't know anything about you know what his his launch angle is or or uh or how this, what his hard contact rate is right now. What I'm noticing and I noticed this the, the last game I went to against the Red Sox. Uh, it seems like he's getting lower with his swing. Like he's dipping the bat a little bit. And I don't know if that's throwing him <laughs> off, but his swing doesn't look like it usually does. I, you should shoot him a tweet and let him know, Graham. Yeah, maybe. I did see it a little more recently, especially in the Colorado series. Like he was staying up, but it seemed like a lot of the times he was going for these low pitches and just sort of like golfing them, um, which is just something you don't really see him do. But I feel like in the last couple of weeks it's gotten better. But it's been a weird thing with Ozzy. I agree in terms of the power, but I wonder if he's working on something with his swing, doing something different mechanically. Uh, I don't know. It would be nice if he started to hit some more home runs, though, um, because. I mean, you could say that about the whole damn team, but it's just weird that he's had such a drop-off from that little power run he had in, in April. Yeah, it was like six homers in his first, like, 16 games or something. It's really hurt my fantasy baseball team, too. Oh, yeah, you suck, man. Yeah, I know. Like, my whole team just doesn't hit home runs anymore. It's uh, it's, 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 a, it's, compl- it's like a plague um, amongst my, my offense. I don't understand it. That damn Manfred ball, man. Yeah. Took the juice away. All right, Adam, let's talk about the, the bullpen. Kimley hasn't been good recently, Adam. What the hell is going on? I don't know, man. It's probably safe to use the same logic you used about um, Olsen on Kenley Jansen, who's been much greater for much longer and was really good for, you know, the first month and a half of the season. But, yeah, it's certainly, I mean, he's just seems like he's leaving some balls out over the plate and, you know, he doesn't throw 98 anymore, so he has to be on it with his location, and he's just been a little home run happy and a few too many walks as well, which is pretty uh, rough combination for a reliever. Yeah, he's only had one clean inning since, I think, May 18th. It was May 27th against the uh, Marlins was the last time he had a clean inning. And since May 18th, it's just been he's allowing multiple base runners. He's blown three saves in that that stretch. Yeah, I think you're right. Like the the cutter isn't cutting as much, you know, as it was when he's going through that really dominant stretch where it's just like every time he comes in the game, it's it's one two three shut down. It's like now when the cutter's not cutting. It's just it's you know, especially when he's throwing it ninety one, ninety two miles an hour or ninety or whatever. It, it it really opens you up to an opportunity to get your ass kicked because if velocity's not there, you know, people are just going to crush that thing. So, or, or not even the velocity, but if if the movement is not there and the velocity is not there uh it's 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 really easy to key in on that because he throws a cutter pretty much exclusively outside of using an off-speed pitch every once in a while so i yeah i i'm gonna say you know definitely a guy i want to give the benefit of the doubt to um dodgers fans have said this as well they're like you know sometimes kenley is just perfect and then sometimes he goes through a stretch where he's awful and it lasts for like a couple weeks and he gets over it and then he's good for a month and a half, and then it happens again. I think it's just something we got to roll with um, as Kenley's getting older, but he's still extremely viable 
despite his ERA sort of ballooning recently um, and his whip. But I'm not going to, like, start saying, oh, man, we need to change closers and give it to Mentor or something like that. Um, I don't think we're at that point. Yeah, no. And, and you know, Snit isn't going to make a move like that until he absolutely has to. It's a conversation piece at this point, but it's it's certainly not a concern. Will Smith, on the other hand, he, he's been rough, and he is in a high-leverage spot right now. And it, it's funny. It doesn't, like, statistically, we have, like, the best bullpen in the majors right now. But it hasn't felt like it. But I guess that's just, you know, how bullpens are. Like, no one's no one's super clean anymore. It's always a bit of a roller coaster. Well, yeah, and it's also, like, a lot of guys that we're not expecting to do well, have done well, like, you know, the Jackson Stevens of the world. Dylan Lee's been pretty good out of the bullpen. Yeah, he um, has been since he got called up. Was that last week? Maybe around the same time Michael Harris was? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the guys that we've been relying on, like Smith and, J- and Jansen, have, have definitely been going through a, a rough patch for sure. And, and Will Smith, I mean, maybe not the whole year, but he's been sort of that inconsistent self we saw in the back half of last year before September. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. He's definitely one to to watch in terms of where you're putting him. I'm wondering if a uh, you know phantom IL visit may happen soon just so he can sort of recharge his batteries a little bit. And apparently Matzik is throwing again, is nearing a return in the near future, so I'm hoping he can come back. Maybe they'll do a thing where it's like Matzik has activated Smith. It's the IL for 10 days, gets his head clear, uh, what, comes what, back, and hopefully what, he's all right. What I was hearing is he's not actually anywhere close to returning. No? No. <laughs> what the hell? No, he's just he's started throwing, but neither him nor Rosario, who's been taking a batting practice as well, neither of them are close. I would bet not till after All-Star break for either of those guys. Well, definitely, definitely Eddie, but I didn't think Matzik was going to be out that long. That sucks. Yep, they're gonna they're gonna take it slow with him. But you're right. I mean, there have been Jackson Stevens. I, I kind of like that um, that Jesus Cruz as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's like the bullpen's a lot deeper, despite the injuries. Uh, Colin McHugh has been really good recently. Um, Darren O'Day is usable. Um, yeah, he's solid. Yeah, and Jesse Chavez has his moments still. He can work out of some jams. So it's great that we have the depth. It's, I mean, once again, we always continue to skip over Kyle Wright and how great he has been. Uh, that certainly wasn't a given coming into this year, but he's he's been phenomenal. So we really Absolutely have. Absolutely huge. Him with our two aces, we thought we had two aces, but it, it's been um, Freed and Kyle Wright as opposed to Freed and Morton so far. Yeah. But, you know, Spencer Strider, I – you know, I was on the keep him in the bullpen, but I think because you have a Jackson Stevens that's giving you like real high leverage situations now, you know, the stats don't look great on Strider's first two starts, but, you know, he got screwed by the defense in that first game against Arizona and Colorado's Colorado, and he's certainly better than any of the other options you had. And, yes, you know, we actually won the game he started in Colorado where that's usually an automatic loss whenever our fifth guy was starting. So yeah, I think it's, clear- and that's something we've n- neglected to talk about was like our record when the other four pitchers start is 25 and 17. 
And I think before Strider, our record when the fifth pitcher started was 2-11. and 11. So for all the bullshit about we can't hit the runners in scoring position, we're playing shitty defense, whatever. I mean, that's it's true. But it was almost like two times a week you were throwing up an automatic L because of who you were running out there as the fifth option. Yeah, and with Strider, sure. you know, you... Yeah, you're exactly right. In Arizona, he was totally screwed by the defense. He should have given up no runs. Instead, he gives up five because of horrible defense played by Ozuna. Um, I can't remember the other horrible defensive play that happened, but I remember there was some other play that that really screwed up that that game for him. Um, he did have some control issues in the Colorado game. I think he issued five walks to only go along with five strikeouts, but it's tough pitching in Colorado. We've seen it, uh, you know, fuck with the best pitchers that we've you know we've ever had before Colorado's a difficult place to play so I'll be looking forward to his next start with great interest and um hopefully he gets stretched out a little more I can go a little deeper I think in both starts he's only gone four innings um so I like to see him at least get to five but yeah you're exactly right it gives you so much better of an option than anyone else you're going to run out there on the fifth day well and what what's exciting to me is that he, you know, out of the bullpen, he was just a fastball slider guy, but he's been featuring this changeup that he's been working on and hadn't really thrown at all until he started starting, and it's been really good. Like he threw it all, yeah at a lot higher rate than uh, I think even he was expecting to. So that you know three three good pitches uh, thrown 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I, I want to see that guy every fifth day. And yeah, that changeup looks nice, and I, I imagine the control will get even better on it as the uh, as the season goes along. And the Braves are doing something, Adam, that we wanted them to. We knew we were coming going through this, you know, really soft part of the schedule with teams like Colorado and you know Oakland coming up, and they're taking care of business. Ever since that team meeting after that horrible second loss in Arizona, five and zero, and looking for more. Two games coming up against uh, against Oakland one of the worst teams in baseball. You should be able to dispatch of them with ease. If, you, if, they, if they keep playing like this, that's another thing, too. It just feels like there's so much more energy with this team. They have, they have kind of the 2021 feel now again, where it's like, I just felt like they were lost in the – they were kind of dazed. They were going through some really weird doldrums uh, to open up the season. It just felt like no one was really playing with a lot of pizzazz other than you know when Acuna came back. Or just energy. There's just such a lack of energy, but I feel like that's back. And there's a hunger. And there's also this kind of never say die attitude. You know, like we've seen before earlier in the season, you know, it goes to the extra innings, it's an automatic loss. But, you know, to win an extra innings in Coors Field says a lot. And, uh, and to, you know, have comeback wins and things like that. Like it's just been nice to see them just play with some fire. Because they did not look like they had any any fire at all to open the year yeah that that saturday game especially that's the most excited i think i've been all year watching a game when we were down mm-hmm. in the 11th like we hadn't scored any runs and if you don't score any runs with the ghost runner you're gonna lose and then ozuna gets like out of nowhere a two-out double and then we put up a four spot after that and it's just like okay that's that's what i'm talking about that's yeah. that 2021 team yeah Back-to-back extra inning wins is big for a team that's really struggled with this new bullshit rule that isn't really baseball. But we got to overcome it, and they've certainly done that recently. I think it's just provided, like, we're building momentum now. 
we're still, I think, eight and a half games behind the Mets. Correct. Um, but, you know, now's the time to take advantage of this, man. We got coming up. We got two against Oakland, four against Pittsburgh, three against Washington, three more against Chicago. You got to take care of business. Now, I'm not saying you win every game, but win every series. Because I think the Mets are still having to play a, a tough stretch of their schedule. So if you, you can get this thing to five and a half games, you know, by the end of June. You know, the division is still attainable. And you're also looking better for the for the wild card. Um, I think I think we're about I think we're about to go on a pretty good run here. We're already on a good run, but I think just playing more consistently, not winning every game, but winning more series. Um, I think I think that's coming. This last uh, week and a half stretch has given me a lot more hope than I had. If you, if you if you drop two to the A's at home, though, then uh, you know all this optimism completely goes out. Oh yeah, then it's just shattered. I mean, you, you cannot you cannot fuck this up. You literally you, you cannot. I think we got Kyle Wright going in first game tomorrow. Yeah, Wright and Anderson uh, face Oakland. Yeah, so, so. let's uh, take care of business. Keep winning series, and uh, you know. Just keep your calendars marked for the next time we play the Mets. And I mean, they they have been undeniable a different Mets team. Yeah, they've only lost I think two series all year. I was really th- hoping that the Dodgers would take care of business, but I guess they split that series, huh? Yeah, they split that series, which shows me, unfortunately, that the Mets are for real because Dodgers. It's incredibly hard to win a series against them, as we know. And even though they didn't win the series, they held their own. And that was sort of like their really big litmus test to me to say, okay, you know, if they get swept and they lose horribly to the Dodgers four games in a row, maybe they're not as for real as we thought, but they they held their own. They've been doing it all season, very consistent, 37-19 and 19 record, at least as of this recording. And uh, gotta, you got to respect what they're doing right now. Buck Showalter has them playing winning baseball. And uh, even though they they're still without right, they're still without Scherzer and Degrom, and they're still kicking ass, right? Which is scary. That's that's what's problematic. Is <laughs> like they're only going to get better. Although I still think Scherzer's going to get hurt again, Mister Dead Arm. Might not matter. But yeah, it might not matter. I mean, they're playing so well, um, and we don't play the damn Mets until after the All Star break. So what's going to be really exciting is if we can keep this race close. You play the Mets a shit ton the second half of the season. Yeah. I think we've only played them three times so far. Or no, we've played them four times. But we've only played one series. So, you know, we're going to play 15 more times against the Mets in the second half of the season. Yeah, man, if we can, if we can get healthy, get Matzik back, get Rosario back, get Kirby Yates back, I still have hope for Mike Soroka, you know, Still, still make some moves. That's why we just got to We got to stay in this. So, um, as you know, as long as we're close, and you got all these wild cards to think about. But you know, obviously, the, the division's still the goal, and I still think it's doable. New York radio is going nuts. I saw heard a sound clip the other day of some guy saying it's over. The division's over. Oh, you can't say that. Yeah, and and this was in May especially with how many times they've blown this down the stretch. I get it's a different team. they got Buck Showalter now, different mentality. But, um, you know, at this point, we've won it, what, four straight years? Yeah. So, like, we're still the kings. Don't don't write us out, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's also, like, how many times have we seen something as late as, like, August 
even the beginning of September, a team just collapsed down the stretch. And the Mets have done this before, too. Uh, hell, we've done it. You know, the 2011 season, we blew like a nine-and-a-half game lead, let the Cardinals get the wild card spot, the fucking Cardinals won the World Series. And that so, was in September that we had that lead. Yes, we had, I think, a nine-and-a-half game lead in September. Might so have been ten-and-a-half, like, bro. How crazy is that? Perhaps. Either way, it was a sizable lead that it should not have been blown. I don't know if it your psyche like could games. handle that now. Huh? You think your psyche could handle the Braves blowing a ten-and-a-half game lead in September now? Yeah, I, th- I think so because I've, I've been through it. And we also won the World Series, so it's like last year. So I, I think I can handle it. And, you know, we've also lost this. You know, they had the Super Bowl debacle since then. I'm, I'm mentally tough when it comes You're to hardened. the sports yeah. at this point. That's fair. But do you think you'd be calling yeah, like, for us to, like, trade Ronald Acuna Jr. and Max Freed if we did that? If none of that shit had happened, probably. I'd probably just still be just as much of a psycho. <laughs> um, but... I think I've mellowed out some in my old age. That's good. You got to stay a little crazy, though, Graham, for the, the sake of the podcast. Oh, yeah, I will. No, it's definitely been – it's just been nice watching the Braves, like I said, just play with passion, enthusiasm, and a winning attitude. And not just sort of sleepwalking through the motions. It's gotten me more excited as a fan. Yeah. It was like a chore to watch games sometimes. You know, there's sometimes I didn't watch a game. Because I was like, I just don't really want to deal with this team tonight. You know, I, I agree, especially when Ronnie was out and it was like every single game we lose like 2-1 or 2-0. Yeah. But hey, it's now frustrating. we got the Mets, obviously. Loser Phillies already fired their manager. They're all, they're all excited because they won four straight games after firing Girardi. They were also playing the Angels, who who have lost like 13 straight games now. So take that for what it is. Yeah. I mean, you can't count out the Phillies. But the, the you know the the honest to god truth about Philadelphia, they have a bad bullpen. They have nine players in their lineup that should be designated hitters, <laughs> and their defense sucks. They're not going to win. They they are not a threat to me. Even I just said you can't count them out. Actually, you know what? You can count them out because they're, the way their team is constructed is bullshit. You can't slug your way to a World Series. And not have anything else. Not with these dead baseballs. you got to be able to play some small ball nowadays. Yes. Yes, that is true. And also, you know, if your bullpen sucks and your defense sucks, you suck. You have to at least have three of those four things working pretty well to be able to be a contender. And I mean, you, I ideally like to have all of them. But, you know, if you can only hit and you have, you know, two out of your five rotation guys are decent and that's it. I'm sorry, you ain't doing shit. And I kind of feel bad for Girardi, even though I think he has a lot of flaws as a manager. He's kind of dealt a shit hand in the sense that he was given such a lopsided, one-sided team. So I understand them wanting to fire him just because of the results, but it's also like, you know, what about Dave Dombrowski uh, constructing just a a really shitty, shoddily put-together team? That's the guy you should be firing. You know, you you do kind of take defense for granted until you have a terrible outfield like we've had this season yeah yeah like because we have been so good defensively the past you know this entire four-year division run that you just like forget that like oh defense like makes a massive difference and can turn so many games around just by boneheaded plays um 
So it's that's why I, I I hope that they just let Michael Harris like run with it, take his lumps in the big leagues, and um, you know he's just as, I feel like he's just as good defensively as Pache would have been. Maybe not yeah. quite as good, but like, what's the difference basically? And then you got Pache's like. I think he's like the worst hitter in the league. <laughs> so he has not exactly yeah, think, turned it around in Oakland. Yeah. It seemed like, you know, coming into the regular season, I don't know if anyone was looking at his Twitter, but he just seems like the, the nicest, most wholesome person in the world. Um, you know, very respectful, very hopeful. Really enjoyed his time here in Atlanta. I was really looking forward to going to Oakland. Plays with a ton of passion. But, yeah, his offense has just been so terrible. You wonder about his long-term prospects in the big leagues, but they're you know what the Oakland is probably just going to let him run run with it because you know they're not contending this year, right? So, well, and, but you got to think take like lumps, an, hopefully he gets better. Alternate universe, like he could be our starting center fielder right now, and Harris is still in the minors because we we'd have no choice but to just run him out there for his defense and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Just shade Marcel to the line and just let Pache get everything well adam i think that wraps up our braves talk unless you have anything else you want to you want to hit yeah i think that covers it cool well we will take a quick break and hear a word from our friends from DraftKings and be back with you in one moment are you ready for the nba champs to be crowned join the finals action with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba new customers can make any five dollar nba bet and get 150 dollars in free bets instantly Looking to turn another small bet into a big parlay during the NBA Finals? With DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 Same Game Parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total three-pointers made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. So here's what you got to do to make this happen. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals, and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, and we're back. Adam, there's not too much else going on in the world of Atlanta sports, so this portion will probably be brief. You know, you know, Graham? Yeah. The Falcons had an open practice last week. They did. And like I always do, I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to that. And I looked, I was like, tickets are $5. No, man, I can't that's do too, that. That's too rich for your blood. Well, to, honestly, the, the hassle of going downtown, even though I might have been downtown already for work, but it's like 1 p.m. on a Friday, just let the people in for free to experience the stadium especially with such a shitty team like five dollars and there's probably going to be like what 800 people there thousand people there two thousand people there at most why not do a free event i don't think arthur blank's really hurting for cash yeah i think he can afford to cover that one for the people there might have been some charity play in there now that i think about it um so the money might have gone to that which Makes it okay. Okay, if that's a, if that's the case, then then I I take back what I said. But I can't say definitively either way. But yeah, it didn't look like a ton of people in there. But I, I still like looked like a regular season game. 
<laughs> I, I think it was literally like two lower sections, just had some people in it, and that was it. Um, but, you know, I, I still keep getting excited about this season, Graham. I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to watching the new era. Well, one thing I'm, I'm really liking about the quarterback room, and I'll, I'll do my best not to talk about the offensive and defensive line this week, is that Mariota is taking the mentorship role. Um, you know, he's mentoring Ritter, which I think is great. You see a lot of quarterbacks who are established uh, starters in the league when their you know, potential replacement is drafted. They ice him. You know, we saw it with uh, Brady and Garoppolo, and we saw it with Rodgers and Love. Uh, we're seeing it now with Tannehill and Willis this year. But Mariota, even though he's on the, you know, the level of those quarterbacks, has still been a starter in this league for multiple years. He's projected to be the starter of the Falcons open this season. He could be a petty asshole, but he's choosing to be a mentor instead. And I think that's very admirable, and, and it makes me like Marcus Mariota quite a bit. Do you think that there's any truth that I think Ritter says that he has mirrored his game after Marcus Mariota? Do you think there's any truth to that? Or he's just like kind of saying that because Marcus Mariota is on his team now? I think there could be some verity to that. I mean, we forget, you know, Marcus Mariota in college was a Heisman Trophy winner. Probably inspired a lot of kids who were coming up during that time, which Ritter was. So I, I don't, I mean, when I first saw that, I was like, that's bullshit. And then I was like, wait a minute. I mean, Mariota was like one of the better quarterbacks in the nation when he was uh, in college. And like similar to like dual threat guy. Yeah. But not like crazy speed. Right. Which I so think I is kind of what it. Ritter is as well. Yeah, man. I, there, I don't think there's anything to really discuss from the practice from the few like Twitter clips I saw. But it's June, man. We're, we're getting there. Training camp yep. be coming up. Yeah, I, I guess we we still. Have, I mean, I guess the interesting thing is Deion Jones is still on the team, right? He is, and uh, Grady's still on the team, and it's past like those June first uh, cut dates or whatever, where it'd be a little cheaper to cut both those guys. So I don't know if that means we're running back with them. If they're who the hell knows, Graham? Well, remember Grady signed that four year extension, so I think he's going to be here. He's at least going to be here through this year. I was I reading that we can save some money happened. if we cut him next year, yeah. if we really want to, or the year after. But yeah. uh, Grady for sure is here. Deion Jones just has no trade value. So, and he's not, he's missing all of uh, the preseason with an injury. So he, he's, he's here. Um, and I think this will be his coup de grace in Atlanta. I think this is the last season of Deion Jones. I saw an interesting Twitter post where it was like, and I'd be curious to see your answer. It was like, if you, out of all the Atlanta franchises, you had to cut every one of these players except for one, which player do you keep for your city? Mm. And the options were Ronald Acuna, Trey Young, or Kyle Pitts. And you can only keep one of those guys. Well, Kyle Pitts loses by default. Sorry, Kyle. Um, Jesus. So, Cunha or Trey Young? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll go with... Uh, I'll keep Acuna. I'll keep Acuna. That's my answer. 
even though I know that would set the Hawks back decades. Uh, I think this Braves core is is great, and Acuna is uh, the nucleus, the face of the team now. He's the last person I would want to to leave the city. Because um, I think if he were to leave, then interest in the team declines. The team takes a huge step back, and I'm you know the Braves are my favorite team, so that's my answer. Yeah, that's probably my answer as well. But I, I, I guess if you look at it, it's like this is just such a huge offseason for the Hawks. Oh, yeah. Um, just based off how mediocre we were this last year. And, like, it doesn't have that same feel of a team that could win a championship within, like, the next four years unless you do something huge. Right. Uh, you got to get that running mate for Trey. And if you don't make that happen, like, he's going to be gone at the end of this contract anyways. Right. Um, it's yeah. Whereas, it's not like right now the Hawks are a championship contender. No. Yeah. If we're being if we're being honest with ourselves, no. Not yeah. not as currently constructed. Like yeah, they need that second running mate for sure. But um, yeah, you don't want to lose either of those guys because if no. you lose Trey Young, you know the Hawks are just completely trash again, and would have to rebuild. Which I'm tired of rebuilds, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like. Uh, since 2015, one, at least one of the Atlanta sports teams has been in, in the process of a rebuild. That's when the Braves started theirs. And then, you know, but the Hawks were really good. And the Falcons were still relevant. Um, and then obviously they got to the Super Bowl in the next year or so. And once the Braves got good, then the Falcons started to suck. Uh, but so didn't do their rebuild until three years too late. But the Hawks were in a rebuild at that point. Now it's definitely the Falcons are in that really in that rebuild phase now. So it's like it would, I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where we're going to have all three teams kind of like in a good spot. But it's been nice through really the last twenty, year, well maybe in thirty years, we've always had at least one team that was really good, seemingly, which is more than other cities can say. Oh, yeah. Like, people say, like, Atlanta's the worst sports town. It's like, I can think of a couple of others that sucked longer. I don't think anyone can say we're a bad sports town now. Like, we just won the World Series. Yeah, exactly. That's not a fluke. Yeah, but just, like, historically. Yeah. There was a lot of talk, like, mainly last week before we started winning again, the Braves. That's like, And, you know, I was starting to come around to it a little bit. It's like, maybe... Last year, we was, were truly just like the team that got hot. Everything fell into place with all the players we signed at the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, maybe we're just kind of a mediocre baseball team. Beyond that, we just got hot at the right time. But I think a lot of championships were won that way. So I, I, there's nothing fluky about our championship, that's for sure. It's not like the Dodgers 2020 championship. That's a fluke. That's an asterisk right there. Well... They play with the same set of rules that everyone else did. You know, if you won the World Series in twenty twenty, you'd be pounding your chest like a gorilla. I, th- I think. I think. You, like the fact that the not having any off days that affected the series so much. Oh yeah, it was bullshit. And the Dodgers just have more depth. You're right, though. I mean, they they won it, but like yeah. that they won a non COVID World Series as well. And I hope they never get it. Yeah, yeah. I hope they never win a non COVID World Series as well. But, yeah, like, I mean, the people have said that about the Braves. It's like, oh, it's just, you know, they got hot at the right time and blah, blah, blah. So it's like almost diminishing the championship in a way. Like you said, we've seen plenty of teams do that. You know, immediately comes to mind, like, the two Super Bowls, the Giants won with Eli Manning 
They were like eleven, or they, they were like uh, nine and seven. You know, snuck into the playoffs, got really hot, and won the won the thing twice. Beat Tom Brady twice. Um, but people also forget that, like after the All Star break, the Braves I think had the best record in baseball. So it wasn't like they just got hot in late September. Yeah, that's a good point, Graham. They got hot for multiple months and played winning baseball for multiple months. So even though yes, that reached its zenith in the postseason for sure. They had a three-month stretch there where they were and one of the best teams in baseball. I always thought it was a lazy narrative when everybody was saying, oh, it's an 88-win team. It's bullshit that the Dodgers don't have home field advantage. It's like, them's the rules, and the Braves have also been really good since, uh, since the All-Star break. So, fuck everyone. There you go, Graham. Yeah. Like our non, non-Braves segment came back to the Braves. That's my yeah. bad. Yeah, what, what else can we talk about? But uh, exactly. I think it's a good place to uh, wrap us up here, my friend. All right. Well, thanks. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next week. Hope you're doing well. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalmanship. Hospitalmanship.